If you want to know anything and everything there is to know about how to sell your house, you're in the right spot, my friend. Welcome to the How to Sell a House podcast. Welcome to the How to Sell Your House podcast. Today we are going to get into the top five mistakes when selling your house. We've seen a lot of these. We've gone through a lot of these. So we're trying to give you the heads up right up front so you don't cost yourself a lot of time, money, or anything else that's important to you when you're selling your house. And stay tuned to the end. The last one is a bonus. As always, I'm Cassidy Lewis. Lauren Sanders. And I'm Chris Erickson. And we are real estate agents out here in San Diego, North County specifically. Is that California? California? That is California. Yeah, just making sure. Lovely California. Uh, But yeah, we have a great network of agents around the nation. So if you guys are thinking about selling your house or you have questions, you want to learn more, check out all the episodes of the podcast. Go to howtosellhousepodcast.com. Let's jump into the top five mistakes you make when selling your house. So just like in life, if you were taking a test and you didn't prepare, what happens? You know, the number one thing is not preparing your house properly, not cleaning the house properly, not getting the curb appeal right. Part of that could be also staging. If you know, every once in a while we have clients literally that you walk in the house and it looks like it's staged. If you're one of those, then we'll go thumbs up. Let's move on to the next one. But for most of us, like myself personally, I'm sure you guys, if you were selling your house, you would, we, we want to make it look right for the buyers in that marketplace. So mm-hmm. not staging your house can be, can cost you uh, some money significantly too. This can be little things. It can be little things like just getting your windows cleaned. It can be big things like do, is there a remodel, a renovation that you've been putting off on something that really needs to be taken care of before you sell? Those are the things that you want to sit down and think about and what you want to take care of. It's fixing little repairs, things like that, just kind of preparing it to be ready for people's people's eyeballs. That's the whole point. You want it to be clean and ready for great photos. You want it to be clean and ready and decluttered for people walking in so it's as bright and open and big as possible. And on that note uh, regarding renovations, some renovations have a great ROI or how much you put into it, how much you get out of it. Some do not. So be aware of that. If you're kind of kicking around the idea run the numbers and talk to a professional agent, uh, kind of see what you would net on the other end and, and get, get, you know, is it going to make sense to, to do the potential renovations that you were thinking about? Sometimes it does. And sometimes it does not. And also when getting your house prepared for sale, when you're going through, you're cleaning, you're doing, you know, doing your landscaping, painting, uh, doing all those small repairs, You have a few options. It doesn't have to be professional. Like Lauren mentioned, if you have that eye, I do not. I'm colorblind, so my my house would not be prepared all that well. But when you're picking paint colors or picking like if it's already all done and dialed in and looks like a kind of a model-ready home, then you're good to go. Uh, So you can do it yourself or you could hire professionals, whether it be stagers, painters, landscapers, all that kind of stuff. There's a few different options there. One of the big reasons you hire professionals is to give you professional advice, right? Mm -hmm. And third-party, non—you know, they're not attached to it. So if there's some specific things you might want to look at, have a professional look at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're agents. We're kind of jack of all trades that can give you the overall theme of what you need to do. But there may be some specifics that you want to look at. Make sure you do that. Because it's the return is is uh, especially 
Actually, in any market, the, the returns there. We had some clients offer on a home a couple years ago as buyers, obviously. Um, and there was still little piles of trash in the bathroom. There was junk in a whole bunch of different spots. The back patio had old beat up toys and stuff in the back. So they had zero competition when they wrote an offer on it. And luckily our clients were and had a good enough vision to be able to look past that. But you'd be so surprised how people will leave homes um, and put them on the market like that. Uh, and also that comes down to who you hire too. One of the best deals, if you flip it on the other side, you're always trying to look at this as you're the buyer and what, what to do. But like, like you mentioned, Cassie, I've shown houses to buyers that were looking for a deal because they were flawed in mm-hmm. some way. One I remember in particular was a hoarder and the house was literally full of stuff was on the market a long time. Mm-hmm. They got a great deal. They literally got a great deal. Mm-hmm. Their only concern once we were in escrow is, is she going to move all the stuff out? Mm-hmm. Which was a valid concern. Valid concern. Mm-hmm. But, but um, always look at it from the other side. Like, hey, you know, th- this is a, um, for most people in our market, it's a huge chunk of money they're putting into it. Mm-hmm. And so it's significant to them. The, the more things you can remove from when they're looking at a house, if they don't see a lot of things they need to do, it's a higher price. Mm-hmm. Um, fix-ups, like Chris said, do those, paint, do those things. Make sure you make it shine. Mm-hmm. The second mistake when selling your house that sellers make is pricing your house too high. Too high is definitely not the best way to go. When pricing your home, there's basically three different strategies that we kind of go over with sellers. And first being, obviously, Price it right at market. You're going to get the normal amount of buyers coming through there. You're going to get normal competition. The second one is pricing it a bit lower than the competition. That's when you kind of create this feeding frenzy. Everybody sees it as a deal. They're coming in hot. Could add a little bit of stress to your life because it might add a lot of people, but potentially also driving the price up. And the third one is overpricing the home. In today's environment, buyers are super savvy. They have access to all the information what homes have sold for in the neighborhood. You know, they're looking at the Zestimates online to give them an idea. They're looking at all those. They have a pretty good idea of what homes are selling for in the market. So if you are overpricing your home, it's going to be pretty obvious. And most homes that are overpriced are not going to be selling. So make sure to price your home properly. The other part of it too, of the equation, you could be setting yourself up for really a bummer of a situation where Maybe an inexperienced buyer comes in and writes an offer on your house and it's overpriced and they're getting a loan and they find out it's worth 40000 less than uh, they've written the offer at, which means it probably won't go through mm-hmm. unless somebody adjusts, uh, either willing to put more money in or you're willing to drop the price. So, And that's the kind of thing that happens two weeks into escrow when maybe you've already started getting your things ready to move and mm-hmm. stuff. So, And all the buyers that were you know, potential buyers – have moved on as well. Yeah, when it was new and fresh, it's mm-hmm. you know there's this this show the the new listing, especially now, but all you know many times it's there's people lining up to see it mm-hmm. and then they've moved on. Mm-hmm. So you're not the new kid on the block anymore. And back to the over pricing over list. Uh, that's we have a lot of we've had a lot of times where clients have told us. Or ask us, like, we just want to test the market. We just want to test and see if we get that price. 
like Lauren said, that time frame of when people are looking at the listing is that first couple of weeks, even in our market now or in kind of a normal market. If it goes past that two week period when you're testing, I'm doing air quotes on a podcast, but <laughs> when you're testing the market, you've lost a whole ton of people that couldn't afford whatever number you were testing. And then by the time you're moving it down to a price that's probably closer to market, those people are gone or they've moved it. They've bought something else or they're asking on something else. So pricing is hugely important and not overpricing is probably the biggest part of that. Yeah. Or even just looking at it, like if it has a home's been on the market for 45 or 60 days when the normal market time is seven to 14 days in that, you know, in that market, People are thinking, buyers are thinking, okay, what's wrong with the property Mm -hmm. too, which is another thing, you know, the longer it sits on there over normal market time, people start thinking in their heads, okay, this one's sold, that one's sold, that one's been here for three times as long. So what's going on with that one? And they've dropped the price. Let's wait and see if they drop it again. There Mm -hmm. you go. Um, Or now we can offer well below list price. Yeah. (laughs) They they think one of two things, and, and and it's because one of two things is actually true. Either you're not motivated, you don't really want to sell, so you've priced your home at a price that it's not going to cause it to sell. Right. Or you know you're just not aware of the market. The price that you put on your home is not the sales price. That's one thing to keep. I, I talk to people over and over about. This is a starting point to what we're going to do. So. Uh, if the market time was like you said, right now our market time, I would say really technically is probably three to four days, mm-hmm. even though you'll see them on for seven <clears throat> days. Part of that is two days in negotiation, multi-count, you know, back and forth. But so if you want to test the market, uh, we've got some systems you can do coming soon. Mm-hmm. Test the market there. Before you get market time on your listing to show at a price – um, because you can't ever take that initial price away. The third mistake that we see quite often, and and it's one of the easiest things to kind of get out of the way of, is making your house available to show as much as possible. It's not pigeonholing buyers into an hour window on one day a week. It's having it available as much as possible and in the best condition too. So you want to be it wants to be clean every time you have showings. It wants to be light and bright. So you're turning lights on and you're getting everything prepared. Just being flexible. If if you need an hour notice to get out of the house because you've got kids and dogs and stuff like that, that's fine. But if you're asking for a 24-hour notice, that takes a lot of people out of out of contention of getting to see it. And you want to see it, have as many people seeing it as possible. Part of showing the house, if it's an investment property for you and you've got tenants, is make it worthwhile for the tenant to allow showings and to leave during those showings. And when I say make it worthwhile, that usually is a financial thing, Mm -hmm. um, that you adjust their rent for a period of time because it is a hassle for them to uh, deal with that. You know, you want the tenant to actually be gone, Mm -hmm. best case scenario. Uh, There's too many – I've walked through houses – showing a buyer and the tenant's there and it's uncomfortable sometimes, or sometimes the tenant will even start going through everything that's wrong with the house. Mm-hmm. And many times in recent years, the tenant's saying that because they don't want to move because rents are higher. And and so there's all these different things going on. So if you've got a tenant uh, owned property that you're trying to sell, best case scenario is to make arrangements for them to not be there 
probably best case scenario is to have them move out before you put it on the market and stage it, like we mentioned, and get it really prepared to show. Uh, but if that's not possible financially, then, you know, make a small donation to their cause to have them be mm-hmm. gone during showings. The number four item that we're going to talk about, it might sound self-serving, hire an agent, hire a professional agent, get uh, names and numbers of people and talk to them and, and do your due, dil- due diligence on that. But make sure you get a good agent. I promise you, if you hire a really good agent, it's like an investment in in the sale of your home too. You're going to get more money. You're going to have less problems. For instance, a good agent uh, will make sure you disclose things that you need to disclose, and uh, and catch problems before they become a problem. If my mom was selling her house in another state, I would make sure she had the best agent that she could have to sell her home because I know it's can be a complicated process. And it's going to cost you money, even in a good market. Some people think, well, we're in a really strong market right now. And some people think, well, anybody can sell the house. Put a put a yard sign in there and we'll have offers and anybody can sell it. You are correct. Anybody can sell their home. But I guarantee you the results will be different with a professional that you hire that knows what they're doing in your area. I guarantee you the results will be different. And if you are thinking about selling your house by yourself, even though we think it is best to hire an agent, we do have a whole episode on basically FISBO is what we call it for sale by owner, walk you through everything you need to do to sell your house. And when you look at an agent, you might think, oh, I could do this myself. You know, you're looking at them. It's kind of like uh, if you see a duck on a pond, the top of them, they're super calm, super chill. You know, I mean, a good agent will kind of keep communicating with you, keep their cool. They're not going to get too emotional, but under the water, their feet are moving. There's all kinds of things they're doing, communicating with escrow, communicating with buyers, negotiating, um, you know, just a ton of stuff that you don't see happening uh, behind the scenes. So on the surface, you might think it is easy. It's a good idea, but a professional agent, they do this every day, just like any profession. Think of your particular job and what you do. And, and then kind of, you know, the same thing that, that we do here as agents, this is what we do every single day is help people buy and sell homes. All right. The fifth mistake, which could potentially be a big financial mistake as well is kind of fudging the facts and disclosures. Every state's going to be a little bit different. California is very strict on the kinds of disclosures that need to be sent to the buyers and provided to them. There's just a ton. When you're going through the process, there's a ton of paperwork that needs to be completed. And some people think what, you know, I don't need to disclose that because it was so long ago or or whatever it might be. But the, the, the question when asked by sellers to us, what do I need to disclose? Everything. Disclose, disclose, disclose. Because in the end, it's going to protect you. If there's something not disclosed, more than likely, if it's a big, let's say, fix or something that you were trying to hide, if the buyer is doing their due diligence and they have a good agent on their side, they're going to find out what that was through their buyer's inspections. And even if they don't, if it comes back afterwards, after close, you are still potentially liable for something that was found, you know, that you did not disclose. So just don't hide any major problems. Go through the forms. Kind of harder, obviously, the longer you live there because you have a long history. But if you have all your old records, provide all those. When you're interviewing agents to help you sell your home, it's a good question to ask them. What do I need to disclose? Because that answer from them is going to be uh, very important 
you know, what their ethics are and what, what they're all about, because uh, unless they say everything, um, it's not the right answer. Yeah, keep in mind, because the previous seller that sold the house to you didn't disclose it is not a reason to not disclose it to the next person. You can think of it in what would I want to know. The other thing to think about, too, is make sure you get those done timely and to the person, uh, to the buyers in a timely fashion, because in our marketplace, if you disclose some things and forget something, then you redisclose three weeks into it. Well, you've just set the time clock again on on contingency periods, which can be a big deal depending on what's going on. So make sure you get all the disclosures thorough, timely. I like what Cassidy said too. Test them. I've been tested or either that's what they really wanted me to do in past times where, hey, I don't really want them to know about this. Well, you've told me and I know, so I have to disclose it now. Right. And the bonus mistake people make when selling their house is not considering the broader financial situation. You're going to sell your house for a particular price, but that's not what you're going to walk away with. So you're going to have closing costs. You're going to have repair costs, potentially, potentially concessions. You will have uh, fees to your real estate agents. There will be escrow fees, title fees. Those are all part of the closing costs. So the more important number is the net that you're going to walk away with from your house, which is the sales price minus all these costs, minus what you owe in your mortgage if you do have a mortgage on your property. And that net number is going to give you a good idea of what you're going to walk away with on top of that, potentially taxes, depending on your situation, depending on how long you lived at your house, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, there's just some other financial things you need to think about. Definitely chat with your financial person and kind of see you could get a, a idea estimated net sheet from a real estate agent to kind of give you what you might walk away with all those closing costs, et cetera. But then they could run through all the numbers on the back end and see what you know you're gonna come away with at the very end. One other thing also to consider, depending on where you're moving across town, across states, across continents, depending on where you're going, is moving costs. So those could potentially be a big impact on your financial situation as well. So that's five mistakes people make when selling their house. And if you want some more information or to get to some other episodes, check out howtosellhousepodcast.com. There's a whole bunch of resources on there. And if you, it's also a connection to us if you want to get in touch. If you're thinking about selling your home either in San Diego, definitely get in touch. But if you're out of market in a different area, different state, get in touch with us and we can help you find a good resource and good agent in your area.